And we're in Ephesians chapter 5 this morning. And also in your bulletin, there is a food for thought for the, this coming week. Encourage you to look that over. If you haven't been doing that in the past, look it over. This can be really helpful. It's from Dr. Bill Bright, uh, founder of Campus Crusade, or Crew, as it's called now. It's just an excellent follow-up to what the Lord has put on our heart today from his word. Ephesians chapter 5. Power walk. We've talked about God's purpose, God's heart for his church family. One of the things that I mentioned and remind, we were reminded by God's word is that uh, from verse 12 of Ephesians 4, pastors are supposed to be here to equip God's people for the work of the ministry. To equip you to be ministers for the Lord. For building up the body of Christ. And God's hope and purpose and desire is that we become more like Jesus. Till we all come to the knowledge of the Son of God. To the measure, the stature, the fullness of Christ. Growing up into all things into him. And so you've heard this before if you've been around here. Paul says, you got to keep the main thing, the main thing, and the main thing is to keep the main thing, Jesus. It's just that simple. We look to him for everything. And when Christ fills our heart, we finished with verse 32. It's very practical what happens in a church family, in a family, wherever the Lord has his sheep, his people, We learn to be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another. How so? Well, that's even as God in Christ forgave you. And I'm thinking, what a great family to be a part of. Where that's the atmosphere of our family. Where that's the atmosphere of our church. Did you know that Things aren't always going to go the way you hoped they would. (laughs) Did you know that? Did you know that sometimes people are just going to be people with their problems? Yeah. But when Christ is in the center, we can learn to forgive one another and to be there to build up one another and to share the love of Christ that he's shared with us. Because he's filling our hearts. So, as we start chapter 5, there's another therefore. Chapter 5, verse 1. Therefore, be imitators. The idea is be followers of God as dear children. The therefore is there because of what Paul just talked about about being to overflowing with the love of Christ to the point that no matter what comes our direction and we're bumped, what spills out isn't our, oh, why did you say that? Why did you do that? But what spills out is, 
oh, wow, that kind of hurt, but I know you didn't really mean to hurt me. I know that Christ forgave me, so I'm going to work at loving you and forgiving you because I want, I want you to be drawn closer to Christ. And that's what it's there for. And God has forgiven us for Christ's sake. In other words, it only makes sense to turn around and to follow the one who made it all possible for us to be forgiven, that our sins be washed away by his blood, and we have a brand new life, and we have power for living because of him. And it only makes sense that he's the one that we follow and that we imitate. And Jesus said this, John chapter 10, verse 27, the New Living Translation. Do you know that my sheep, well, they listen to my voice, and I know them, huh, and they follow me. You know, Jesus is definitely our example, and we follow him, and we want to be more like him, but Jesus is far more than just our example. Jesus is our source of life itself. Eternal life. John chapter 14. Jesus says, I am the way. I am the truth. But more than all of that, I am the life. Verse 19. Because I live, and that's after his death and resurrection. Because I live, you will live also. And anyone who loves me will obey my teaching, will follow me, will desire to imitate me, desire to be more like me, ask me for help to grow and to become more like me. And my Father will love them, and we will come to them and make our home with them. We'll be at home in your hearts as you walk through this crazy world that we're all a part of these days. So speaking of walking, look at verse 2. Ephesians 5, verse 2. And walk in love. This is the third time that Paul says, you know all the things that I've done for you and how I've made it possible for you to have a new life and how your sins have been washed away by my blood on the cross. And I've loved you while you were yet a sinner. And I love you just like you are, but I love you so much I'm not going to leave you that way. So now, trust me. Walk in my love. Walk in love. As Christ also has loved us, given himself for us, an offering and a sacrifice to God for a sweet-smelling aroma. In other words, when Christ died on the cross for you and me and rose from the grave, God said, that is so amazing what my son has done. It just touched his heart like nothing else. And when you give your heart to Jesus and begin to walk with him, God says, that's so awesome. Oh, how I love you. I, I loved you before, but now much more 
Romans chapter 5 says, much more, I love you. Oh, how the Lord loves to care for his sheep. Well, talking about love, the way the world looks at it, in a college psychology book that defines the word love, it defined it this way. An agitated state of psychological arousal. Is that real love? I don't think so. Imagine gazing into your sweetheart's eyes and whispering, Wow, you really agitate me. (laughs) Huh? What does that mean? So what's the true definition of love? Well, you got to go to the author himself. On the cross, Jesus showed us true love. Love as Christ loved us and gave himself for us. According to Jesus' example, genuine love is that choice to be a giving person, to be an offering of your time and 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 talent and love for others, to be even at times sacrificial in doing that. That touches their hearts and it touches God's heart. So as we look at the next verse, Paul's going to bring a contrast of the way that the world does things versus what Christ has done. The way the world comes across with me, 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 verse 3, but fornication and all uncleanness and covetousness, I want, I want, I want for me. Let it not even be named among you as is fitting for saints. So look at your notes on the back of the bulletin if you want to Take notes. The first note is this. Jesus' love is all about giving. And with his help in your heart, you can be like him. He'll give you that ability to give like he gave. While lust, well, it's all about getting. First Thessalonians just lays out the bottom line here. It is God's will that you should be sanctified. What does that mean? Well, that you should be set apart in this world to become more and more like Jesus. That's his heart for you. That's what he wants for you. That you should avoid sexual immorality. That each of you should learn to control your own body in a way that is holy and honorable. Not in passionate lust like the pagans who do not know God, that in this matter no one should wrong or take advantage of a brother or sister. It says, the Lord will watch out for his kids. And it says, the Lord will judge, the Lord will punish all those who commit such sins and willingly keep doing that. And Paul says, we told you and warned you about this before. A Christian brother or sister will choose in their heart 
to preserve the purity and honor of someone that they say that they love. Christians are called to love one another as Christ loves. The world takes. Jesus gives. Be like Jesus. Reminds me of the girl who asked her boyfriend, do you love me? He replied, well, yes, of course you know I do. And she said again, well, would you die for me? He thought for a second and he says, well, I'm sorry, mine is an undying devotion. (laughs) Huh? Well, the moral of the story is this. Love that won't die to self-centeredness and selfishness It's not real love. It's not from the Lord at all. So we go to the next verse. Paul continues describing what it looks like to walk in Christ's love. So look at verse 4. Neither filthiness, nor foolish talking, nor coarse jesting. They're not fitting, but rather that of giving thanks. Let's just stop there for a second. You know, you can tell a lot about a person by what makes them laugh, by what they think is funny. Crude humor, borderline banter, sexual innuendo is not to be part of a Christian's mouth. Rather, What should there be? Well, there should be an overflow of the love of Jesus Christ in whatever situation we find ourselves in. That should be what's coming from their heart. Look back at verse 4 at the end. But rather giving of thanks. It should overflow from our hearts, not crude worldly humor. Verse 5. For this you know, no fornicator, No unclean person, no covetous man who's an idolater has any inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and God. And the Greek word there for fornicator is pornos, which is where we get our word pornography, which is taking over hearts and lives all across our nation and the world these days and ruining marriages, ruining Young people ruining adults. There are people who hang on to this stuff. They choose to not look to Christ. They choose to make this a way of their life. And the Lord says, I'm not going to let you bring that lifestyle into heaven. It's not going to be allowed. For them and so for so much of what's going on in the world today, Life is about our flesh, about my will, what I think, what I need, about the wallet. I need to make more money. I need to be in charge of more things. I need to have more pleasure. The morals are down the tubes. But it's not just a moral problem. Look at what that verse says. Did you know it's also actually truly a spiritual problem? There's a deeper root cause. They're called an idolater. 
Isn't that interesting? Well, you look at Americans today, and you, you know most Americans would never bow down to an idol. Never. But our culture truly does. It worships sex. It worships independence. Well, you can't tell me what to do with my body. It worships money. And when you value something supremely and pursue it at all costs, guess what? That's an idol. That's an idol. So Paul says to Christians, wake up. Look at verse 6. Let no one deceive you. Don't be deceived. That's a path that's not good to go down. It's empty words. For because of these things, the wrath of God comes upon the sons of disobedience. So Paul's saying concerning uncleanness and Christ-rejecting lifestyles, People use deceiving words. They they say, oh, hey, don't be so uptight. Don't be so judgmental. Don't be so intolerant. Don't be so weird. Some years ago, one of my favorite uh, athletes, Tim Tebow, made the headlines. And by the way, I'm going to have an opportunity, Cheryl and I are going to have an opportunity to be in Longview, Texas on September 23rd, and all y'all are invited to join us. Tim Tebow is going to be speaking at a conference there. I'm looking forward to that. And the reason I'm looking forward to that is because of Tim Tebow's life. He was a, a Gator a quarterback in Florida, and he was... engaged with Miss Universe some time ago, and she finally said, this isn't going to work. She says, he's weird. He just thinks he needs to keep his body and his virginity and save it for marriage. Is that not weird? So she broke up with him, and she said, later, Gator, That's it. And it made the headlines. And people go, "Ah, this guy's weird. No, he's not. He's right on target. Amen? Amen. Oh, how he loves Jesus. And all he had to do was just be himself and love the Lord. And he became a light that made the headlines and revealed what's happening in our world today. I can't wait to be there. And I'm going to ask him, so uh, Tim, we're going to have a men's conference. I know that we're just a little town, and you probably won't be able to do this, but might you be interested in coming to Willows? It doesn't hurt to ask, right? Oh, wouldn't that be great? Why not? Well, that's the way I am. Why not? I'm going to go for it. But realize that this wrath of God that's coming down on people, it's coming down because they won't let go of what Satan has deceived them with. And they hang on to it religiously. It's my will. It's my this. I need that. I'm not letting go. 
but realized the wrath of God was actually created for Satan and his demons. Matthew 25, 41 says that the fire, everlasting fire, was prepared for the devil and his angels. Why? Because of the deception and pain and evil that Satan continually brings into this world, deceiving people. The thief does not come except to steal and kill and destroy, John 10.10. But Jesus says, I have come that you might have life and you might have it abundantly. Whoa, what a contrast. So Paul's warning is that when you choose to embrace Satan lies, Satan's lies, whatever they might be, or even how small you might think, well, that'll be okay. He says if that's what you choose for your lifestyle, most assuredly it can be extremely hazardous to your eternal health. That's what he's saying. Therefore, look at verse 7, another therefore. Therefore, do not be partakers with them. Don't just go in the flow with the world. Look to Jesus. Look to him for what you want your life to be. For, verse 8, you were once darkness, but now, because of the love of Christ, while, we, while I was still a sinner, Christ loved me and died for me. And then once I gave my heart to him, he says, man, I love you so much. I love you even more. I can't leave you that way. I got to start changing your life. Whoa. Isn't that cool? Thank you, Lord. For you were once darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. We'll stop there with that verse. Look at number two on your note sheet. Notice, according to Paul, we didn't just walk in darkness. We were darkness. That's what was coming out of our life. In fact, I remember I came, when I came to the Lord and he, he was speaking to my heart and I go, well, Lord, I've, I've tried to be a Christian and I, I couldn't pull it off. I don't want to be a hypocrite, so I'm just going to stop going to church. And he says, don't you understand? That's why I had to go to the cross for you. And all of a sudden, his light came on. And I go, whoa, you did that for me? We were darkness. I was darkness. That's all that I had in my life. And it controlled me. But now that we're in Christ... Once I gave my heart to Jesus and understood why he went to the cross for me, we don't just walk and try to follow Jesus. Now there's something that's so totally changed. Now we are light. How's that? Well, it's amazing because when you accept Jesus, he comes into your life and he makes his home in your heart. And when the King of Kings and Lord of Lords comes into your life, how could you possibly remain the same? Think about that. 
You can't. I don't think he'll let you. Things that, that maybe they bothered you, but you go, oh, I'm doing the best I can. He'll go, no, no, give it to me. Let me work on that. Let me help you. Let me be a part of your life. He's saying. I think it's just amazing. And changes occur deep inside our hearts. We don't just change environments or our willingness or our desires. We actually become a new creation in Christ Jesus. Something inside us changed. We come alive in Christ. Look, number three on your notes. What happens is the light of God himself now shines from us. A Christian is like a spiritual firefly. Wherever we go, the light of Christ just begins to shine. Like Tim Tebow, he just, he just goes, this is who I am. They go, oh, that's weird. No, it's following Jesus. Oh, that is weird. But look at what he's done for you. How many people came to know Jesus because Tim just simply shined a light for him in the stage that God gave him? I love that guy. Anyway, he or she lights up the dark world, wherever they go. So Paul encourages us to look at the end of verse 8. He encourages us to walk. That's the fourth time we've been told to walk. Walk as children of light. Because that's who you are now. I call this a power walk. It's because of Jesus' presence and power in my life, in your life. Well, what's that all about? Well, we go all the way back to Ephesians chapter 1, verses 19 through 20. His incomparably great power for us who believe. In other words, you don't even understand the immensity of the power that you now have in your life because Jesus, because you've invited Jesus to come in. Why it's the same, that power is the same as the mighty strength that he, he exerted when he raised Christ from the dead. What's the result? Look at verse 9. For the fruit, well, that's the result of Jesus in your life. That's fruit that happens because he is developing a new life within you from inside out. For the fruit, the power of the Spirit, it's in all goodness, righteousness. I like to say rightness. You want to know what's really right? Look to Jesus. And truth, truth isn't just feelings. Truth is concrete. And Jesus is the one that shows us what truth is really all about. And what, you, <clears throat> what will happen? Well, you will find out, verse 10, what is acceptable to the Lord. Because Jesus is in your heart, in your life. 
the light of the world shining within you and changing you from the inside out. You're going to find out what's acceptable. You're going to find out what's really good in this life. You're going to be full of joy no matter what's going on around you. Truly brings that happiness into your life. And I found that Jesus is what makes life worth living. So, when the old life starts knocking on the door and grumpy shows up or stingy shows up or discouraged shows up or self-centered shows up or anger shows up or foul mouth makes its way back in there, starts taking over, what's a Christian to do? Quick, hit 911. Call the Lord. Jesus, you know I struggle with my flesh. You know I'm tempted by different things. But Lord, I want nothing to do with my old life. I've learned that through your word and you living in my heart, I've learned that sin stinks. I'm not going to justify it any longer and I'm not going to excuse it anymore. Instead, I choose to walk in the light and power of your spirit. I choose the fruit of the spirit. That's what I choose. I want goodness. I want rightness, righteousness. I want your truth as part of my life. I choose you, Jesus. Jesus, you're the one that lights up my life. Thank you. And in that way, this is what you'll find, verse 11, and in that way, you'll have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness, but rather expose them. For it's shameful even to speak of those things which are done by them in secret. But all things that are exposed and made manifest in the light for whatever makes manifest is light. So I learned that the hard way. Well, I should say this illustration, it's, it's based on the truth, a true story. This guy went to Tijuana many years ago with his brother and we went down to do some shopping and get some cool stuff from the street vendors. And they had watches and they had all kinds of, you know, uh, shirts and different things. But what I needed was some haraches, sandals. I go, man, those are cool. But I'm not going to pay 20 bucks for those sandals. Uh-uh. So I find this street vendor that's finally ready to deal with me. But he's got this little dark hut that he keeps everything in. And I go, man, I can't afford 20 bucks. And he goes, eh, come here, come here, come here. Over here, over here. This is my sale items. Ha-ha. So I finally talked him down to two bucks. Two bucks. Man, I got him. So he pulls out this package of sale items, haraches, and I get him home. 
and I look closer at them, they're two left feet. <laughs> True story. He got my two bucks. Two left feet. I can't use these. So what did I learn? I learned it the hard way. Don't buy anything until I first examine it in the light because it's amazing how even junky stuff looks okay in the dim darkness of those huts. It's, a mad, it's, it's crazy how even junky stuff looks okay in the darkness that Satan tries to shroud over life. So only in the light of Jesus and his word can be known what's truly acceptable, what's truly good, what will actually bring joy. The Bible puts it this way, Psalm 119, 105. Jesus, your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. Verse 14, therefore he says, Paul says, wake up, awake you who sleep, arise from the dead. And Christ will give you light. We think that that's from a worship song of the early church. Wake up. Arise from the dead. Christ's given you new life. You, you now are light. Because he will give you light. Look what's happening in your lives. Examine it in the light of Jesus and his love for you. Your notes number four. Paul is saying, literally, when you spiritually snooze, you're going to lose. It's that simple. So make it a habit to trust in the Lord with all your heart. Don't lean on your own understanding or the way that the world does things. Seek his will in all that you do, and he will show you which path to take. You see, Christ himself will be your light. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. So verse 15, as we look at that, see that you walk circumspectly. That's the fifth time we're told to walk. Not as fools. Don't be fooled. Don't be deceived. But as wise. That word means keep looking around. Put the light of Jesus on it before you fall for it. See that you're careful to trust and follow the light that he gives you. Verse 16, redeeming the time because the days are evil. Are they not? Yes. So how can I redeem the time? Well, listen up. Pay attention. Verse 17, therefore, there's another therefore. Do not be unwise, but understand what the will of the Lord is. In other words, start wanting to know what the Lord wants for you. Don't do your own thing. Trust him. Verse 18, and do not be drunk with wine, which is dissipation, but be filled with the Spirit. That's so important. I'm going to repeat that. But be filled with the Spirit. Forget the distilled spirits. Drink deeply of the dynamic spirit of Christ. This verse really touches my heart. John 7, 37 through 38. On that last day, that great day of the feast, 
Jesus stood and cried out, saying, If anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. Let him come to me and drink. Let him come to me and receive. Guess what happens? Verse 38, he who believes in me, trusts in me, follows me, wants to imitate me with my help in his life. As the scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. Does that not sound refreshing? Yeah. Verse 5, <clears throat> excuse me, not verse 5. <laughs> oh boy, not in any way verse 5. But number 5 in your notes To be filled with the Spirit is, I think, it's as simple as coming to Jesus and just telling him, I'm thirsty for more of you. I thirst for more of you. So, start out your morning. Lord, I want to walk today in the Spirit. I can't do it myself. I need you, your power, your presence in my life. And I need you to just be there completely. We as believers need to start the day by asking for an infilling of the Holy Spirit. It's needed by every single believer who says they love Jesus and want to follow him. We need the infilling of the Spirit every single moment, every single day. You may have been filled with the Spirit yesterday or last week or last year, but that won't suffice for today. Today's a new day, and I still need Jesus today, and so do you. And so this is where I encourage you to be a believer following Jesus who has a power walk. I encourage you to be filled with the Spirit, Jesus' presence and power in your life. It's the incomparable great power. It's for us who believe. The power is the same as that mighty strength he exerted when he raised Christ from the dead. And back in verse verse 4, Paul told us, I want you to be uh, Christians, men and women, boys and girls, young people, who out of your heart will flow Just a giving of thanks to the Lord, overflowing from your hearts because of his love for you and your love for him. So, now that you're filled with the Spirit and you're starting to power walk, you're ready to, verse 19, let's look, you're ready to be speaking to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord, giving thanks always for all things to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Your notes, number six. Your spiritual song. What is that? Well, it's your testimony. You're the light of the world. You are light now. It's Jesus in you as you just walk through this world and you love the Lord and his light shines from your heart. Your spiritual song coming from your heart speaks directly to other believers. Your life impacts their lives. And guess what? 
your heart, your life begins to touch God's heart. And one day he will say, well done, good and faithful servant. Enter into the joy of your Lord. What a glorious day that will day be. So we're going to wrap this up thinking about David. Remember when we traveled through 1 Samuel chapter 30? David and his men were so discouraged. He and his men returned from fighting the Amalekites only to discover that their own town had been raided and burned by their enemies and that their wives and their kids had been taken hostage. And they go, David, this is your fault. You pulled us away. You took us away. And look at what what has happened. They were so angry that they wanted to kill him. And what did David do? David, this was his life. He just turned to the Lord. He sang songs. He wrote psalms. He just began to praise and worship the Lord right there, right then. One of the psalms, a prayer to God in time of trouble, Psalm 43, might have just been when he penned this psalm. They were coming down on him. And David's spiritual song was this. His own men wanted to kill him, but he said, you, for you are your God, you're my only safe haven. Send your light your truth. Let them guide me. Lord, I I don't know what to do without you. Let them lead me to your holy mountain, to the place where you live, where I can drink from you and receive from you what you have for me. Verse 4, I will go to the altar of God, to God, the source of all my joy. I'm thirsty for more of you, Lord. I'm in trouble. I will praise you with my heart, O God, my God. Oh, why am I discouraged? Why is my heart so sad? I will put my hope in you, in God. Another version says, David, put your hope in God. Trust him. I will praise him again, my Savior and my Lord. What happened? As a result of David's light shining before his men and his trust in the Lord, he rallied his men once again, and with the Lord's help, they went out and they recovered everything that had been taken away from them, their wives and all their children, and not one was lost. So, your notes number seven. Cody and Lexi, come on up, wherever you are. Start your power walk new every day. Why not? Knowing that it's his incomparably great power that's in your life, it's for us who believe, it's power that's the same as the mighty strength he exerted when he raised Christ from the dead. Lord Jesus, if there's anything that I've learned as I've been walking with you 
is that I need you more today than I've ever needed you. And I can't believe how gracious and loving you are and how you love to take care of your sheep in this broken and dark world that we live in. And I thank you with a heart of thanksgiving for who you are and what you've done that I couldn't do for myself more than ever. And Lord, may we make a decision to power walk with you every day, every moment. May we trust in you more than we ever have before. And Lord, as we worship you to close our service, may it be a sweet song of thanksgiving for who you are and what you've done for us. May you be glorified and lifted up as we close our service in Jesus' name. Amen. Stand with me and we'll close.